Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a genre podcast from the Geek Girls' perspective. I am the head hauntress, and wow, do we have a huge show tonight. Not only is it jam-packed with people calling in, it also happens to be the best of 2015 episode. No, we're not going to talk much movies tonight, though we are going to talk horror and television for sure tonight. So the fun movies will more likely come up, but I'll guarantee, but we're going to talk about everything else, our favorite things, what things we did, what events we thought were cool, uh, podcasting, blogging, social media, anything we want to talk about. It is the best of 2015, and here we're not going to have a big introduction. I usually go into elaborate, welcome my sexy witches individually. I'm just going to bring them on right now because we have so much to fucking talk about. So please welcome my sexy witches. First is from Eugene, Oregon. It is Queenie Todd. How you doing, girly? Oh, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> excellent. And in... Clifton Forge, Virginia, you have Erin Marie. How you doing, sexy witch? You know, when she comes on with a howl, I feel like I should come on with a moan. <laughs> I still you think you should work on an evil cackle. You have to work on an evil cackle. Go on some soundboards, listen to some evil cackles. I'm sure you can find one. There's always oh, more of a sexuous. No, I'm not an evil. I'm just... Playful, oh, mischievous. Oh, maniacal laughs are an art form. It doesn't matter if you're evil or not. You should always learn to have a good maniacal laugh. Very important. So try that too. And I also have a guest host tonight, and uh, he's been on the show before, and I've been on his show once before, and I brought him on as a guest host tonight. Um, his name is Cass Wampong, Andrew, Andrew Damien. He is from... Out of Toro- out of Canada and Horror 101, educating your fears. And so he's going to come on as our guest, war- a sexy witch from the Great White North. How you doing, Woo-hoo. sexy warlock from the Great White North? How you doing today? This is you're on with the. Sexy hey, I'm witches. doing great, ladies. Good to be back. Good. To, thank you for being on the show tonight. We are going right into this bitch because we have so much to talk about. And okay. uh, so first, so um, Could I, I know that you're you you're. Go for Can I interrupt just a sec? Um, where are yes. you from in Canada? Well, Windsor, Ontario. Nice. I'm from Ottawa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're yeah, right I'm across always, the yeah. river from Detroit, uh, Michigan. Cool. Okay, sorry. I just had to ask. <laughs> hey, you know, it's about bringing people together. So, absolutely. <laughs> talk, talk. I, I'm so glad to be surrounded by so many people from the Great Life North and where they live now. And it's so awesome. 
And we got our, you know, a, a little bit, North America is totally represented, so we're good. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but we're, we're going we're gonna to not talk a lot of horror right now, though we will probably mention some of it because, like, they're all horror geeks here. And, uh, but I wanted to start actually with our favorite things in music. And Cash, I'm going to start with you, even though I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. What's the, was there any music this year that really stood out for you or any big concerts up in the Canada area that really were a highlight of the seasons up there? Because there was a lot of stuff coming out of Canada, Fan Expo, and all this stuff that I've been following for a couple of years. It was kind of a big monumental year up there for music and uh, other stuff. Can you, you know, what, what have you been doing this year? Uh, I'm more of a classic rock kind of guy. If uh, if you're around me when I'm listening to music, it's usually something from like the '60s or the '70s or rock from the '80s kind of thing. Uh, uh, I got no kids over here, so the newer stuff really. Whenever I hear the newer stuff, it's when the wife is listening to like The Voice or Idol or something like that. That's when I uh, I get a taste of the newer stuff. We missed Fan Expo this year. We couldn't make it. We actually had our first uh, expo. In Windsor, uh, Kevin Smith came down, and we were out of town for that weekend, so we were kind of upset there. So, yeah, I'm more of a classic rock guy. I'm not uh, – if I had to say the newer stuff, like the five-finger death punch and and stuff like that, I I enjoy. I like the harder stuff. Great. Uh, I'm just curious because I – I don't usually talk about music a lot on this show, but I thought since the, well, music is often goes hand in hand with horror as well, you know, we all have a vested interest. All of us have something on our iPods or whatever we're listening to. I was just playing the new record, uh, Soul Invictus. That was a cut, that was a cut called Superhero from Faith No More, which was like my favorite band for years and years and years and years. And Mike Patton, I have had an obsession with forever. So I wanted to highlight that Faith No More dropped a record this year. It's our first one in a long time. Wasn't a great record. Decent record. Pretty hard. Pretty good. You might like it, Cash. Uh, But, you know, it's like if Leonard Cohen took psychedelic mushrooms and then was in a, a, a Martin Scorsese film starring Mike Patton. That's kind of what you're listening to. It's very weird. Wow. So, (laughs) So, anyway. Hey, uh, Queenie, how about you up in Oregon? You guys are always, like, listening to some kind of guy with a guitar. What's up with – how is the Oregon scene this year for your music and concerts? I don't listen to all the, you know, hippy-dippy stuff around here. Don't don't look at me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I listen to the crazy metal shit and make all the, like, people around me like, whoa, it's so loud, man. Why are you listening to that, man? (laughs) But, yeah, like, me, um, this year, um, within this moment, she came out with a new album, and it's just fucking amazing. And it has a werewolf song on there that's pretty much my anthem now. Like, <laughs> I heard it earlier, I think maybe like February is when I heard it. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, that is how I feel. Because <laughs> music's really personal for me. I really, really feel it in the feels. Post it. Post it. I want to hear it. So post it for me. I totally will. Totally post it. So how about Aaron? What has been? You've got kids, so they're probably listening to like, you know, watch me whip, watch me nay nay, or something along those oh, lines. Now. What are? <laughs> what My are you listening to? Your, <laughs> 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 what, what, what are you listening to? What is what is going around your house this year? What was like the highlights of of the year for you? Well, my highlight personally was my kid discovering things like Nirvana and the Arctic Monkeys. Lydia is like a huge Beatles and Queen fan. I could not have asked for better kids, honestly. When it comes to music, 
I can get behind but, that 100%. Exactly. I mean, she did a talent show at school, and she sang yesterday. And I'm like, okay, you do the Beatles, girl. You go right ahead. And, uh, no, but here I'm the person who ends up liking new music, and it's only if I find something new and unusual that's off the beaten path. Um, there was one song that I in particularly liked when I found it at the Hard Rock Cafe in Atlanta, The Walker Stalker. And it was called Fits in the Tantrums. Uh, it was named the group The Walker. It's such a great music video. And it's just basically like this guy's marching to his own beat in life and fuck anybody else who tells him otherwise. <laughs> and that's kind of the way I feel oh, lately. I feel like, yeah. So a lot of soul searching music that girls are listening to, it sounds like. So yeah. uh, I love that. Uh, and talking about family, the highlight for me musically this year, the really one moment, I actually wasn't really fond of most of the music in 2015. Only three records had heavy rotation. The Faith No More record, the New Muse record, which is only mediocre, and uh the uh the new and it is pretty awesome little dicky save that money which i'm going to talk about later in the podcast or in the community calendar because i have to talk about little dicky in detail and it's hip hop so we're going to keep that and put that later on the show <laughs> but i do want to put mention, a pin in it a lot of the music on my phone is over a year old and this year there was a tour of one person in particular that I took the whole family to see. We paid for parents, uh, my kid, and my the grandparents came and we all went to see Weird Al Yankovic at the Wolf Trap. And yes, there's a bit of a nostalgia trip listening to Weird Al Yankovic with your whole family which was awesome, but at the same time, he's still completely relevant. And so here it is, my five-year-old and my grand and her grandparents and my and my um, husband, and we're all there rocking out together to Weird Al Yankovic. So that was pretty awesome. Um, and the record is still good. I mean, there's nothing bad about that record. And it, 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 I think it holds up quite well. So that we, was the we highlight got his this show, year uh, we caught his show when he was at Caesars Windsor's a uh, couple months back. And I have to say, I mean, I've, I've been kind of a casual fan of his throughout the years, but watching him live is a treat. Like if you get a chance to see where Al Yankovic, it's, it's not, I mean, it's mostly music, but it is a treat. It is so entertaining. And the guy being his age, jumping around the stage, getting in 12 different costumes, not slowing down. And it was a two and a half hour show. It was an absolute treat to watch. It was spectacular. And then and then he comes out and does this piece at the end of the show, which is just even more spectacular than the entire show. I'm not even talking about the big 500. The 501st actually was on the stage for the big Star Wars stuff. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about they did this really weird little awesome encore at the end. That was like seven minutes long. It was his rant. And I was like, He's a fucking genius. It, it, it goes beyond just him changing costumes, and, and he's a showman first, but he really does know his stuff, and it's incredible. And he was even he even shouted out to one of my favorite songs in the world, Crypty and Gross, out to Social Lies on the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. He actually sings it in the middle of this strong core. I was like, totally love the show. And, and he read, even though my um, – 
Willie's grandmother had never actually seen Weird Al Yankovic before. Totally loved the show from beginning to end and couldn't believe how much fun it was. And the big screen video show that was going on was equally as amazing as the performances. So, uh, so it was a great year. Uh, that, was, that was the highlight, I think, musically of the year was that concert in particular. Um, we lost somebody. I don't know who we lost. I'm assuming it's I'm still Aaron. here. Yep. Um, Queenie, you're still there, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was Erin. All right, Erin dropped. She's been having some technical difficulties, but we'll continue on. So, uh, well, we can talk about music more, but also let's talk about, let's let's move on, because one of the things I do want to talk about music is I want to move it now to something that was more in our wheelhouse. That would be blogging and podcasting. And so this year, blogging and podcasting in particular has come really into its own. Now, Cash, you've been on the game on the earlier end of things. You've been doing this for a little while. I'm here on the coming out in April of this year, and I'm on the trend of this huge amount of podcasting that just about exploded everywhere this year. Everyone had a show. Everyone had a show, and there's still more shows, and they're growing. It's like one of the fastest things growing on social media. So I'm going to start with Queenie because I started with Cash last time, but I wanted to ask Queenie, what, mm-hmm. is there any podcasts or, or blogs in particular that you read on a regular basis and were your favorite things this year? Um, blogs that I read on a regular basis. Um, I read, like, so many things that, like, it's hard to keep track of it on a daily basis. And I also have, like, my own stuff going on. But, like, um, I like to keep up with um, Dollar Bin Radio, of course, our friends. Um, and like, I haven't been doing much blogging lately as I used to do. So I'm kind of vague in that area, like nothing new. I have like a lot of blogger friends that I follow, but nothing really new. So I'm sorry. can't really help with that. Well, but you've been listening to some podcasts and, and, um, I know that you started one. I do listen to LARP podcasts with my husband, um, we used to listen to our friends on the Northwest Nerdcast, um, and then there's the LARPcast that, you know, it's like this really big LARP podcast that all the LARPers listen See, to. See, I didn't even know it existed until yeah. just now. So, please, tell me about the LARPing that. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I just remembered that. Sorry. <laughs> A little wacky today. <laughs> Yeah, it's in there. I, all you you have so much knowledge. We just gotta siphon and pull it out. You know, I know. I know. It's stuck in my brain. <laughs> I'm sorry. So please tell me about this LARPing podcast. Oh, it's really great for LARPers because, like, we'll talk about different things that are going on in the LARP community. You know, how certain games are running and rules that we may not like, or you know, my husband's like laughing in the background as I'm telling this. But um, you know, sometimes people act weird so we have conversations about like personal communication within the LARP community and all sorts of things it's a really thorough podcast for LARPing so that's another thing you need to post on our on our page so do that LARPing podcast I will do that so excellent (laughs) I know you can answer this question what are your favorite blogs and podcasts you listened and watched the last year well, I mean, I know. Have you guys heard of Horrorphilia? That's a net, whole network of horror podcasts. They've got like at least fifteen shows. 
So just with, I mean, if you listen to all the horrorphilia guys, you'd have no time to yourself because it, it just <laughs> tons of podcasts. You got Eric Polk on uh, Dollar Bin. And uh, I, I should listen to more of my colleagues' shows. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time because it takes a long time to kind of edit and put together the show, uh, the Horror 101 show. It's, uh, but w- what I can say is I'm pretty sure people like um, Kevin Smith, who has one of the most prolific podcasts out there. It's not in the horror realm, but he has his own podcast. He's gone on to say that he's more proud of his podcast than he is of any of the films that he's made. And, yeah, I mean, this is the guy that's made Clerks and Mallrats and tons of movies that are exceptional. For him to say that his podcast is his chief, uh, his, his, his big achievement is just overwhelming. So I think a lot of people listen to that and think, you know what? How hard would it be to sit down and talk about things that I know about and get some friends in on it and let the world see, you know, let, let the world listen to it and, and see how it goes. And, and that's basically how I started, you know, I've been in the horror since I was 10 years old. I've seen almost everything that came out in the seventies or eighties. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch these movies with some friends of mine and I'm going to put together a solid show that's different from any other podcast that's out there. That, that was our goal. And even Kevin Smith said, he's like, here's, he gives, he gives you a challenge. He's like, anybody out there, you make a podcast. And I guarantee you, within a hundred shows of your of your podcast, you will get an email or a letter from somebody who has listened to the show, who will tell you, "Listen, because of your show, you've saved my life." He he challenges people. I haven't gotten that myself, but I'm not at a hundred shows yet. So I I think that is one of the reasons why it's kind of exploded. We've gone from maybe a couple dozen shows to hundreds of different podcasts, even in the horror genre, and it's very exciting to be a part of it. I, I agree. I think it's exciting to see all this creativity happening all over social media. And it's not just, you know, in word and in voice and, you know, even, this, you know, it's just really exciting. And, and, and it's easier to network with social media. I, I really think it's pretty amazing time period. I call it the great equalizer that everyone is on the same page and we can pretty much create anything we want to create right now. And I think that is fantastic. Uh, uh, the, the podcast I wanted to highlight real fast um, is not a horror or any type of podcast like that, but the one that really struck out with me this year is I, and I immediately listened to was the Mark Marone interview with President Obama this year. I actually listened to the whole thing a couple of times, and I'm not going to go into content. I actually can't, but um, I will say that it was almost intimate to listen to Obama's voice that close while you're sitting there, and, and it kind of just pointed out to me how very organic podcasting is. Like your audience, you can really reach people on an emotional level in a podcast because it is the human voice, and the human voice is still the most powerful thing on the planet. So I, I, I was really, really impressed with that podcast this year, that First of all, it legitimized what we do and saying that, yes, the sitting president will go on a podcast. (laughs) And it just, it makes, you know, because a lot of people kind of like, "Eh, it's just people yapping. And yes, we do talk. Oh, I can talk for hours. That's why I'm on the air. Uh, But it's also (laughs) a way of express, it's another type of expression that it's, you know, it's not for everybody. You know, there's this five to six 
episode curse. Um, and they say that everyone goes through it. I went through it at five and six episodes, and usually something really big and major happens and that usually destroys your podcast. I survived through it. And Cash, you're still here. Did you have any trauma on your fifth or sixth episode that almost caused you to lose your shit and just say, oh, I'm not, it's not worth it? The, the kind of show that we do, it takes weeks to, from the point of sitting down with my friends, watching the movie, doing the discussion, doing the recording, and then taking all that, editing it up, throwing in the music, making the clips from the show that we talk about, the scenes that we're talking about. It takes about three to five weeks to, to just put out a show. And I get a lot of guff from people who want more shows more often, but I tell them I can't do that. I can't, you know, I see a lot of podcasts where they're coming out with two or three shows a week. There is no way you're going to get a Horror 101 show every other week. It's just not going to happen. So it does take up a lot of the, a lot of times. And sometimes, you know, a couple shows will go by where I don't get any comments or anything like that. I get the hits, but nobody reaches out and says, hey, great show. And it kind of bothers me that I'm putting in all this time and, you know, and, uh, you know, it's taking time away from my wife and stuff, like, and I and stuff like that. But every once in a while, what happens is I'll get an email out of the blue from somebody from South America, or most recently the UK, or somewhere else in Europe, is somebody saying this is the best podcast I've ever listened to. Don't ever stop. We love it in this country. You, you really know what you're talking about. You got great quality. We really love your show. And then all of a sudden, it's like. You know, the the sun is shining through. Oh, yes, yeah, this is why we do it kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm, I I get stuck in kind of a rut. It wasn't at episode five or six, but every so often over the last few years, it's like, why am I doing this? And then, boom, I just get this, uh, you know, this email that's a slap in the face, and it reminds me, this is why you're doing it. And, and I just persevere. Well, I invited you on the show tonight, sir, because you are one of my favorite horror podcasts on the web. I love your show. You I love much, the dear. time you put into it. And I love how it's very concise, deep dive, usually into one singular episode, except for I know you have like two string of RIP episodes coming up the pipe very soon, including your Gunnar Hamilton episode, which, by the way, is is really sad <laughs> that, Gunner, that there's no world with Gunnar Hansen in it. Uh, I, I think all of us here might have been, he was one of the first people I ever met at any of these kind of events ever. Like, you yeah. know, and, and, and he just acted like I was like, like he knew me forever. I mean, he just like totally polite, nice guy, you know, it's Gunnar Hansen, but he's still very assuming when you meet him for the first time, because it is Gunnar Hansen. I met him. Um, so, I met him at a convention in the 90s. This was way back before they were trying to bankrupt uh, their fans with like $60, $80. He signed my poster for free. He answered all my questions. He, sh he was a class act, really nice guy. So when I found out he passed away of pancreatic cancer, everybody in the crew said, yep, let's do a show on this guy. Let's, you know, let's use this to say goodbye and spotlight Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the Horror 101 show, and I'm about half done making that show right now. And you know, I believe you know, that we got uh, the son of celluloid, Nathan Hamilton. He's joining us on that show as well. Yes, I did. And that's another podcast I wanted to highlight, Queenie, is the Picking Brain right. podcast. From Nathan Hamilton and Brad's uh, Brad Slayton down in Atlanta, they are doing the hardcore wrestling and extreme sports and horror and walkthroughs and gore and women and tits and they're just their podcast blows it up and the Son of Celluloid show is a video uh, YouTube show and and uh, we love show. Nathan. 
Nathan's awesome. He's one of my favorite people on the web. So the son of celluloid, if you want to get a total package, blogger, podcaster, go look him up on Facebook. He also helps me with my social media stuff, um, the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness Contest I do in October, which just concluded. And he's either a contestant or he's a, a, a judge. This year he was a captain of a team, and he rocked it. He was in the top five, I believe. So uh, yeah, so uh, congrats. So we love Nathan. Uh, so how is, is, is? I'm sure he had a lot to say because the man has a lot to say. You saw his face recently, right, uh, Cash? Yeah. Did you see his costume? He just yeah, made yeah, uh, his own leather. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I know what you're talking about. He made. Uh, he was talking about it. The it was like a cousin of the Sawyers. I, I Eli or Enid uh, Sawyer or something like that. He was like I. I Nathan. He was like I, I wanted to make a, a Leatherface uh, uh, costume for years, and then he finally passed away just as I was getting this thing done. He's like, oh, he was all depressed. Oh, but you know, but you guys, I can't wait to hear the show. Uh, and I, I, he allowed uh, Cash was very nice this year and allowed me to stay a couple of moments on his Wes Craven show. Unfortunately, I as my my headset went completely bonkers and it's it's the weakest segment. I felt really awkward. But I really appreciate being on the show and being able to talk about Wes Craven and and how he kind of opened my eyes to how horror. Uh, can really actually be pretty awesome because I always, you know, at that point I thought slashers were all the same. And then I met David Hess and Wes Craven and said, oh, not so much. Um, So, uh, well, it's about 9.25. So in about five minutes, JK is going to join this conversation, the Horror Happens radio show. Uh, He'll have just concluded his own broadcast today. And we are going to deep dive into the best things in horror. We might talk some film, but we're going to talk about also conventions and things like that that have happened. Uh, so we're going to deep dive into the best horror. And then at 9.45, uh, we're going to have another, somebody else call in. Jade's going to move on and close up the show. And then Oren Conan, who's called in before during our Archer episode during Animation August. Uh, he's going to call in. We're going to have a talk of best in television. Erin was supposed to lead that segment, and she's not back yet. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see if uh, if not, I'll, we'll just plug on. The show must go on. So, um, And I believe he's on air, but I'll call him just a second. So, Queenie, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we move on and bring JK into the conversation? Um. Other than, like, I had a fun time at the con this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Are we well, talk about well, the con? Yes, actually, I was going to lead off with you and the Living Dead Con. So why don't you go ahead and start talking about it, and I will bring JK right. from the Horror Happens Radio Show in while you're talking. Sure. So I just finished going to a con this weekend, uh, Living Dead Horror Con. It was the first Portland horror con of its kind for, you know, for horror creatives and professionals in the genre. Um, it was a big celeb con. We had people like um, the Munsters. We had people from um, Friday the 13th, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, yeah, like just so many people were all together bringing this con to life. And I feel really regener- regenerated from that con experience because I got to talk to so many people. I was helping out as a volunteer. Um, I was helping with the merch booth. Yeah, I'm just really impressed with how well this con handled its shit for a con, you know. Uh, 
yeah, it's its first ever con, and first cons can be like hit and miss, right? And, but this con really felt like a family reunion. Like everyone was trying to bring it together, from the vendors to the um, celebrities. I ended up set on Sunday on a panel that I thought was just going to be me and some industry people, you know, who are just branching out and maybe no one knows our names, you know. But I was sitting on a panel with Barbara Steele and Julie Adams. Barbara nice. Steele from movies like Black Sunday, like old horror films, and like Julie Andrews, she's from uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon. Well, Dude, Barbara like, Steele. I'm sitting on a panel with these people. Yes. <laughs> well, well, first of all, Barbara Steele is the ultimate sexy witch of all sexy witches. Okay. Of all so sexy we, we, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so being in and her presence sexy. just makes you elevates your experience level to at least twelve. So now you are a high sexy witch, oh, hair woman. <laughs> yes. Oh, just for being in Barbara Steele's up there, like we're not worthy. We're not Seriously. worthy. I was freaking in my head. You'll get to make the big speech as you burn the Christian on the pyre. That's that's uh-huh. your job now. You're you're very ceremonial. So that's your new job. Oh, so anyway, job. Got, I also wanted to bring on my screaming JK from the Horror Happens Radio Show in New Jersey, sir. You're on with the sexy witches. How are you doing? Good ladies and gentlemen. How's everyone doing tonight out there? We're doing fabulous, awesome. at least on the air. Uh, we are so <laughs> happy to have you here tonight on our best of 2015 episode. And I was wanting to know, why don't you start off with your favorite thing in horror that you experienced this year? We're going to deep dive horror here for about 15 minutes. And film is not off the table. We are going to do film and more deep dive in our second season, like the first or second episode. But, uh, of course. But uh, for now, we're just talking about anything horror-related that really stood out in a really good fucking year for horror, folks. I actually am very excited for horror in 2015. So go ahead, Jay. Why don't you talk uh, about well, it? Well, you know what? I First and foremost, you know, I, I've been with the show. It's It's going great, and there's a lot of great guests and a lot of great films and books that come through the doors of the bunker. Um, One thing, though, and I'll I'll get to those in a minute, but one thing that really uh, caught me off guard this year was the aspect, I know you're going to have the brilliant Amy Humphreys on shortly here on the program, but going to work for Harvest Moon Motion Pictures and Television, I got the opportunity uh, through the hard work of the show and in the, the horror community, the dysfunctional family, to join them in the capacity of uh, of marketing and, and advertising and all. So that, for me, outside of film and books and all that stuff, was the, was the biggest thing for me this year in horror because now not only do I get on the mic every week uh, to talk live and uncensored horror on the Horror Happens radio show, but I also now, starting beginning of next year, officially this year, uh, the end of this year kind of ducking in and uh, getting in on the ground floor, but I get to work with, with Amy and Sean and Jessica Dwyer and a whole slew of great people over there at Harvest Moon. But I digress for a second because I'm going to tell you something, Sexy Witches. It, out of everything this year, and I, I've been to quite a few events across the country, um, a lot of film festivals, a good amount of conventions for the radio show as a fan and all that, the one film festival that really got me this year was one I was just at this weekend, the Ithaca International Fantastic 
Film Festival uh, by Oog's, uh, Oog's uh, Barber up in Ithaca, New York. Him and the crew that they have up there, ladies, fantastic. The, the lineup for the movies, including films like Dear Bunker out of Germany, Men and Chicken out of Denmark, um, the aspect of, of Darling, Mickey Keating's film from Glass Eye Picks out of uh, New York City and L.A. I mean, everything, even Audition. Um, audition Takashi Miike's, uh, it was part of the retrospective of Organic and Body Horror by Shudder.com. It's, it's the event and really the thing that caught me most surprised this year by how much quality they're doing up there with filmmaking, with the aspect of the film lineup, with the atmosphere and community. And I just want to give my hats off to the Ithaca International Fantastic Film Festival for the job they did and for being a film festival only in its fourth year. I know, Queenie, you were talking about the show up in Portland, and congratulations to them for pulling it together and doing a great first show. Ithaca is a small film festival that keeps on growing in reputation, and they blew me away by how awesome they were for an event. And uh, I don't know if either of you ladies have had similar experiences with a con or a film festival this year, but that's the biggest surprise for me that's not a movie a book or or a short film or anything like that. You know, I, there's been quite a good cons this year, and they've all been on the smaller side, the ones that were my favorites, at least. Uh, and Cash, what about you up in the Great White North? What kind of uh, horror stuff up there has been really highlighted or anything in general you've admired about the horror scene in the last year? Yeah, yeah uh, well, it wasn't Crimson Peak for me. I remember, remember watching this the theater for that one and I was all excited I'm like oh good gothic horror ghost story the sets look good and all that but that movie really bothered me my uh, my colleague Brian Stewart he thought it was the best thing since sliced bread I was counting up I was so disappointed the beginning was okay but I I didn't like the story and we came out of that so polarized and we're trying to fit that in our next show but I didn't like it at all and it had a whole bunch of stuff in it that I don't really want to ruin the story that I know he hates in the film but he still loved it and it was just I I didn't really enjoy it at all what do you think Jay What, what did you think of that one? Well, to be honest with you, I actually did not see it, and I didn't see it for one reason, um, exactly what you talked about. The aspect that the bill of sale that they put forward was not what it ended up being. And I noticed that this year a lot, how there were several theater films that really didn't live up to what they advertised them as. Um, for me, and this, this is something that goes more towards the fans, there's, this year there was really a good amount of horror in the theaters, but a lot of fans out there, you know, if you can't get out to film festivals and you can't get into the theater because the tickets are so damn expensive, a lot of them go to DVD and VOD. So when we go on the show, we do a lot of the stuff that's on VOD and DVD for the best of the year. So for for the aspect of that film, I'm going to wait for next year when it comes out in DVD because I've heard nothing but disappointing things with it because it's not what the bill of sale was supposed to be. Uh, I find Del Toro's kind of going the way of M. Night Shyamalan. man. He's got some really oh. good movies under his belt. Oh, wow. Are you kidding Hold on, boys, boys, boys. Queenie. Oh, did I stir up? Oh, I'm stirring you the pot. I love it. She is our resident gothic horror chick. So do you want to counter the two boys here? Absolutely. I found I knew you would. Was reminiscent of the old film, the old classic kind of like strange Italian films, um, where okay. they would tell these 
grand stories and have amazing sets and colors meant something. In this film, he makes sure you know that these colors mean something. He pairs like red with blue, like vibrant red and vibrant blue, you know, or green with yellows. And they're really kind of jarring, but they're also on purpose. Like they're done on purpose. He's trying to recreate like a famous Italian director who escapes me right now in the brain. But like Argento? Not Argento, actually. But you could Bava. see Argento's influence, too. Bava, yes, thank you. Yes. That is who he's trying to recreate. So if you watch those films, you will see what Crimson Peak is trying to be. Now, it but, may not completely succeed, but <laughs> I think it was an excellent attempt. And well, I found it, the story it, beautiful. It, can I throw something in there? Because I understand where you're coming from, and I don't, I don't for one second deny the fact that Crimson Peak has its audience, and Del Toro is absolutely a beautiful filmmaker. Um, I'm a big fan of M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dang's films. I love his work <laughs> a lot, and I, I don't put it ever in a negative tone, except for The Happening. The Happening's an entirely different ball of crap, but that aside with it, when I look at Crimson Peak, if Del Toro's name wasn't put on it, would it have even gotten a theatrical release? That's my question, mm-hmm. because as much as it's gothic in quality, without his name on it, I don't even know if it would have even gotten a theatrical release if someone else had done it. And that's that's the Absolutely thing that worries not. me about it. What's up? I, I, think you're under, I think you're underestimating the star power of Tom Hiddleston, too. Uh, because, uh, because I'll tell you, Del Toro, Hiddleston, that sold me immediately. Those two names. I, I, I you know, uh, so, but I actually have to hold back because I actually have not been able to go see that movie yet. So, I'm going to have to be the tiebreaker on this. So I'll get back to you. Okay. Visually, it's stunning. The sets are great. The costumes, all the period, all that looks great. I mean, it had a budget of $55 million. It better look good. But the story, (laughs) without dropping too much, the story is basically a bastardization of Bluebeard, and he kind of ripped off his own uh, violence uh, from Pan's Labyrinth that I didn't really, I felt kind of ripped off. So it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. But visually, stunning film. All right. So we'll talk about, I, I wanted to interject a film too uh, about horror, a horror film this year that I thought was actually not just the horror film itself, but the whole experience of it existing and being released. And I think it's a game changer. I've talked about this on the show earlier when we were first starting. I think it follows wasn't the best film I saw this year. Not even close to the best horror film I even saw this year. But I first agree. of all, going to see it at the AFI Silver Spring as at a release in a real theater with great projection, great sound, and with my husband on a date, which was awesome. And it actually expanded to theater. It was packed. Absolutely packed with people you would not expect to be at this movie. I mean, it was packed to the gills, and it read for everybody, and the film blew up the next week and just be- and was released in 1,600 screens. And I watched that going, staggered release. All right, I get it. I think it's going to change the game. And it follows, this is the greatest film. There's some problems with a lot of it, especially like the the mythology of the monster. I have a lot of questions about that. I'd like to sit down and say, hey, And that's part uh, of the brilliance of that film. But it's also meant to be on purpose. Yes, the continuity is deliberately wrong. And I'm totally sold to go see the sequel. I'll see it. I'll go. I'll admit it. 
<laughs> so, uh, what about you, you know, I, about oh, Go ahead, sir. Either one of you. I'll back I, I was just going to. I was just gonna, about it. Follows. <laughs> I, I just have to say. I mean, it was shot in Michigan, so everybody within like a fifty-mile radius of here kind of like gravitated towards. Okay, here's this movie that there's this horror movie that was shot in Michigan. It's just it's just across the river from us. So you know, looking at the sets, going, yeah, that's Michigan. That's Michigan, but it, it introduced a, a villain that was timeless, and like you said, there's no yeah. you don't know if you you don't know if there's uh, any kind of consequences at the end of the film. It almost gave me the ending of that film almost made me feel like the ending of Halloween, where you think it's over, but there's this little thing that happens where in Halloween Michael Myers gets up, walks away. There's there the villain is still out there. This is ongoing. But why? You're not told anything. You're just given this horror yeah, and this new character that's very original, and there's no closure at the end of the film. And I'm almost, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they don't make a sequel, which will just kind of water down that mystique that it left me with. And I, I thought that was the brilliance of the film. Even like the last scene of the film, I won't say what happens, but you're, you're looking at something that's happening, and you're asking yourself, is this this, or is this just nothing? You don't know, and it doesn't tell you. And I, I thought it was well done. Can I can, let me throw in something there about the sequel and all that? Because one of the things this year, the aspect of the independent sensibilities making it to a major theater with it follows. If they do do a sequel for that, that will not only water down the aspect of the story, but that will also kill the aspect of independent films making it to major theaters out of film festivals because it's going to go from an independent darling that was able to make it up the hill and make it into the theater to the aspect of, well, you know what, now it's just part of the big machine of big Hollywood, which if that's the case, then you know what, there's no hope for independent films on that kind of stature anymore then if that's what's going to happen with it. Well, we're yeah, going to get the sequel whether shadows, we right? want it or not. Remember that it's term? coming. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that we're going to get it, and I would still go see it. The guy is writing it. The same people are working on it. So we'll see what happens. You usually are right. I like to point out Paranormal Activity as a perfect example of that. I hate those films with a passion, but that's another episode. Queenie, what do you want to say about – do you have anything to add about It Follows or any other horror before we start to shift gears slightly? We're going to still talk about horror, but we're going to bring TV into it. In a few minutes. Well, so what would you I like to? Enjoyed it follows. I enjoyed it follows. I thought it was a really well done movie. It was the story was told well and it had an interesting premise. I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as everybody else around me, but you know, it was a good film. I have more fun with movies like Stung that came out. Stung was that fucking was hilarious. Fun. I just saw that. And the, I just saw yeah, that. Yeah, and the that bugs was totally... were crazy. Yeah, it was so, great. Yeah, it was, it was a good film. It's a classic creature feature, lots of gore. I enjoyed that movie yeah. quite a bit. So, um, I like you know. Well, um, what, do either one of our gentlemen, sexy witches, want to interject anything before we move on slightly? We're going to talk about horror still, but we're going to shift gears and talk about television next. Um, so, actually, I'm so ready I want for the add... television topic. Bring it on, uh, Penny I, Dreadful, Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, hold on, hold on. Look, bring it on. Oh, in a second. Horror Story, American Horror Story. Let's Don't go. get me excited. Come on. <laughs> it, it, let me just throw one out one there. One train at a time. 
that I absolutely loved, and I loved it because it was so claustrophobic. I loved it because Oscar Isaacs is brilliant, um, and he's going to be great as Apocalypse. Mark my words. People hate him now. They're not going to hate him after his Apocalypse, uh, his rendition of it. Alex Garland is amazing as the director. It's Ex, uh, Ex Machina. And that film right there, oh, yeah. for me, that film right there is the best film this year for me within horror. It has everything you want in a psychological horror film, and it takes that aspect of claustrophobia and the weirdness and just takes it to a level I've never seen before. Uh, That's going to make my top ten this year, and the score is also fantastic. Oh, incredible. It it, it follows also as a great score. Uh, So, uh, yeah, no, I'm totally down for that answer. That's a great answer. And Oscar Isaac is also going to be in Star Wars, which is coming up. So he's about to explode. So, and hopefully for the better, not as like the Monty Python type explosion, Uh, uh, you know, um, but, um, all right. Okay. So we're going to talk about TV and I want to bring in my TV expert at this point. Uh, Who's hanging on for this segment and who's say, uh, are you guys going to hang on or leave up? What what do you want to do, man? Oh, I'm hanging. I have to go. I have to wrap up the bunker because I just got off the show. Fantastic, Jay. Do you want to plug your show real quick and, and give us a quick plug out of what you're doing next and call in again anytime soon? You know, you always have a floor yeah, in, in, in Sexy Witch Coven here. So. Well, right. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. It's horrorhappens.com. You can listen to the stuff on there. And the show is on four different stations and live every Tuesday at 4.30 on Homegrown Radio. Ladies, gentlemen, I love you. Thank you for giving me a few minutes with it. And you know what? Mark my words, M. Night Shyamalan is a good director. (laughs) Great talking to you, Jay. Take care, sir. (laughs) You too. Pleasant nightmares. Love you. Love you. Uh, Good night. That was Screaming J.K. from New Jersey and the Horror Happens Radio Show. Always a pleasure when he calls on. And Cash is here. We're going to continue on, and I'm bringing on my next uh, expert, one of my regular correspondents, Oren Conan of HiddenRemote.com, and he's here to talk television. How are you doing, Oren? You are on with the Sexy Witches. Hello? You're on. Oh. I can Hello? Oh, I hear someone. Well, well there's some difficulties. Dang it. Oh, uh, hey. Well, hello, good. how are you? Can you hear me? Yes, Yay. you are on how with the Sexy Witches, Lauren. How are you doing? Uh, great. I am no longer with the remote, by the way. I actually, uh, so we should correct that. I mean, those are parted ways. So. Well, um, I apologize. And I, I no longer like, I, I don't even like the remote anymore, so we should mention that. Um but okay. um, I'm really happy. I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah. So you guys were talking a little about horror and stuff. Yes, and what we wanted to lead off with is that this has been a great year for horror, and it's been a great year in particular for horror television. There's been a lot of solid TV this year. That's very awesome. But the elephant in the room, the best absolute thing that could happen in my life, happened. On Halloween this year, my favorite actor in the whole world got his own TV show, and that was Bruce um, Campbell and Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Now, Queenie and Cash here, who are also with us, Oren, are, are already fans of Sam Raimi and Evil Dead. So we all see it from that perspective. But I wanted you to watch it today because Oren, get this, guys, has never seen 
any of the Evil Dead movies, barely seen any Sam Raimi movies, and is not a fan of Bruce Campbell. So I want to see Blast what it plays. Uh, no, I never said I wasn't a fan of Bruce no, Campbell. No, no, no. Um, no, no, no. Oh, I, not, I, I like that burden on this. I'm not going to hurt that way. I just mean you don't know him as as we do. Like you're not the yeah, you're not no. part but of the disciples of the is that I'm not a horror fan, so I thought we might discuss yeah. that. Yeah. So please, did I, you watch the show today? I did. I want to ask an open question about horror specifically. What is? It seems to me that horror appeals to people who were once amateur filmmakers or who are student filmmakers because. If you're a teenager, I mean, you're not going to teach yourself to do stunts or special effects, but a lot of people can draw fake blood and do makeup. Is that sort of the appeal of horror? Well, horror is always very for to make. Oh, there's more uh, of that. <laughs> but it's, it's not yeah, as simple it, as it, you're, it you're brailing it down. You can make a fairly decent horror film for a small budget, and this is what, like, even the Weinstein started with The Burning in 1981. They, they started their film yeah. company. They threw two million dollars at uh, a crew. They made the burning, which was a rip off of Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, they made some money off of it, and it started from there. Look at where the Weinstein's are now, Miramax. I mean, these guys are multi-billion-dollar. Uh, they started with horror. It, it, horror is if you want to break into the film industry, horror is your best genre. That's just yeah. Which is one thing I kind of gathered. Uh, just up for the, I, I thought watching the watching Ash vs Evil Dead it had to make it a very kind of low budget kind of uh, low budget kind of student film even though it's probably got a bigger budget it, it that was sort of the general impression I got. Well, that's because yeah, Sam Raimi was yeah, yeah. it's a li- he was a literal tr- uh, magician and a lot of the effects he used in the Evil Dead series are actual in camera practical effects a lot of them. And, uh, you know, and so he, he, he's, he's the master of low budget, high, like spectacle. Like I always amazed me that the, like the first initial advance for army of darkness was $11 million, which if you look at that film, it looks like it's a lot more than that. <laughs> you know, So, uh, Sam Raimi can stretch a dollar. You know, of course, all of that went to like K and B. Every single drop of it, nobody else got any money. But uh, that's another story. I just been watching. That's actually something I wanted to highlight also in horror this year. Watch the Shout Factory Army of Darkness three disc set, which was one of my favorite things this year in horror. The Shout Factory has been knocking out of the park with these boutique releases, and the Army of Darkness had four cuts and two feature documentaries and everything you could possibly think of. It is amazing. So I need do to that. get my hands on that. Yeah, so Evil Dead versus Ash versus Evil Dead. Let's go to Queenie because she's been awful quiet for a while. What did you think of – did you get to see it this year? Oh, yeah, I've seen the, all the recent episodes. I was at one of my friends' houses, and they have On Demand, and I was like, can we watch Ash versus Evil Dead? <laughs> you know, and I was just so happy. I was so happy with it. It was fun. It was campy. It felt like the old, you know, movie, with, but still being new. Like, it added new things, but it was like a nice spiritual successor. I love it. And, of course, Bruce Campbell is amazing, and it has Lucy Lawless, too. <laughs> So yeah, it and just, we uh, still don't know what's fun happening fun. with Lucy Lawless yet. She has not played a major yeah. part of this story, uh, so I'm pretty excited. I also kind of like one thing about the show is that you have Ash, and he's obviously the over the top camp part of the story. 
but they're trying to merge this actual horror story into it using the cop. Like, I've been calling her the yeah. Sleepy Hollow knockoff chick. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, because she plays the exact same role that she would play if she was in Sleepy Hollow. It's the same character, I swear. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, but uh, but it's, I, but she's still good. And I can't wait to actually see how they're actually going to bring that story in with Lucy Lawless's story, with, with Ash's story. And and I love this version of Ash because he is such a sleazeball, yet everyone still totally want to rock his world. It's hysterical to me. Hysterical. I, so, I Cash, have you had a chance to see this show? I've Go seen ahead, the Queenie. first. I've seen the first two episodes. I haven't seen the third episode yet. If you were to tell me 10 years ago that Bruce Campbell was going to be starring in a television show that had the words Evil Dead in it, I'd have told you you were crazy. I'd have told you that it's never going to happen. There's just absolutely no way that was going to happen, yet here it is. And then I was watching the trailers for it. Oh, Halloween, it's starting. I'm watching the trailers for this, and I'm watching this going, oh, my God, the, the the camp factor between a scale of one to ten it was at a seventy three just on the, <laughs> on the trailers I'm like what are we in for and then I watched the first episode and before I watched the first episode I believe it was uh, you Liz that pointed out that there was probably a little bit too much CGI in it so I'm already rolling my eyes before I even watch the show and then I watched uh, you know I watched the first episode and after it was done the credits were rolling and I'm like look at all the names it was directed by Sam Raimi Robert Taper or Roger Tapert was involved. All the guys that were involved in the original Evil Dead back in like 81 were, was involved in that. And I'm watching it going, that was Evil Dead. Like that was worthy of Evil Dead 2. It's like they took the campiness of Evil Dead 2 with the excessive gore and the cheesy one-liners that Army of Darkness had, rolled it up into this ball and gave it to me, and I was entertained. I'm like, okay, now, <laughs> now I'm ready for this show. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really am. Well, all right. Ahead. So let me go, let me go back to Oren. So now you heard what we have to say. How do you? What What is your impression of the show? And and would you? Are you going to stick with it? I probably won't, unfortunately. Uh, I think it's you know there's a whole genre on YouTube of people eating eating food that's very popular in Japan. You know, or eating with chopsticks. <laughs> to me, a horror movie is kind of like that. It's it's very alien to me. It just looks like very low budget filmmaking. If I'm not steeped in the traditions of the genre, if that makes sense. There were a few moments that okay. were kind of there were a few kind of funny moments, but I think the, I think sometimes you just have to be familiar with the source material. Because you can move along. If we want to talk about um, the one horror thing, I I do I have been watching is the uh, American Horror Story series. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. But you are watching a horror show, and I know you're watching American Horror Story, which had its debut this year. And I actually don't watch the show, but I know Queenie as an Aaron. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, Cat, Ca- Cash, do you watch the show? Religiously. Show? Religiously. Yep. So go ahead. Why don't you guys go at it for a couple minutes? Oren, what do you want to talk talk about how, your experience with this show and what, what you feel about it? Well, it's it's one of the few horror genres. It's one of the few kind of horror stories that I've I've got attached to. And I mean, it's some some years I quit it, some years I stay with it. Um, I think it's because of you know Ryan Murphy kind of has like a, a, a it allows him to sort of like run wild with. Uh, you know, it kind of disguise a woman in terms of absurdity, and uh, um, 
you know, it, it, it fits into a lot of golden age of TV stuff where you have, like, interweaving plots and mysteries that come together over several episodes. So I think that what what that offers to me is kind of a long interweaving story. I do think it's been devolving quite a bit. I think season five, they, I don't think they even were trying to tell the story. They were just trying to shock people in the first episode. And, I mean, if you're casting Lady Gaga, you're pretty much just going for shock at that point. So I think season five, I think we're hitting a devolution. What do you guys think of American Horror Story? You know, If she was coming out in her uh, alien baubles or wrapped in bacon like she likes to do for her actual Gaga thing, I'd agree with you, but I was kind of intrigued. She's She is this, uh, well, she's not timeless. She's a couple centuries old, but she's this vampire, but even they don't, they never say that. They never say she's a vampire. Yep, she's just vampire. this immortal being that has the power to make others immortal, and she feeds off, uh, she, she feeds off of blood. I can buy that she's that character. She has this way of just presenting herself as very wise and sexy all at the same time. And it, it works. I, I don't know how they casted her, but it just, it works for her part. Like I really enjoy every time she's on the screen, I'm, I'm in it. Like what she's got to yep. say next. I'm really interested. I really love the aesthetic of this season. I don't know if I love the stories because like some of them are kind of hit and miss, but I love Liz Taylor. Liz Taylor has won my heart. She's fabulous. What's what's um, that actor's name again, please? God dang, I don't know. Are uh, you talking about Dennis O'Hare? Uh, thank you, thank you. He's the guy in uh, yeah. last season. He was that piece of shit that was uh, killing off the, the the freaks to get the body parts to capitalize yeah. off them. Uh, he was the 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 burned guy from the first. Uh, he's made an appearance in several yeah. seasons. Personally, yeah. my favorite season so far was the second one, which was Asylum. The fifth season, that's now, the last season I didn't like as much because it was just it was an incoherent mess. This one, they've upped the game. The gore is, is just like, wow, I can't believe they're showing that, even on a rated R or MA television. You know, like the gore yeah, in this the gore season. is there. I think that's so I'm, I'm wondering, my, I'm like, where are they going to take it now? They've lost Jessica Lange, and that hurts. No, this is the last season. This is back. the ultimate season, so... It's pretty much, which is, I mean, he has Scream Queen, so it's probably a good move, I mean, to sort of venture into new territory at this point. I think that, I think that it was losing steam ratings-wise around season four anyway. I um, think the fact that you can take the same actors, put the, give them different characters at different times, different settings, and each season has nothing to do with each other and still maintain your fan base is genius, and they, they, they've succeeded. So if it peters out after season five, I think it's a great success. And if it's done after this season, there's going to be a void in my horror TV viewing. Well, Jessica Lange had a little bit of overlap by the time you hit season four, but they did actually get a lot of great performances from, you know, Jessica Lange and James Cromwell and Joseph Fine. Um, should we also talk about the best of the year in TV at this point? Yes, go ahead and, and talk about your favorite TV because I have to go on to the next interview. So that please is talk true. about. Yeah, well, again, as I I just close when I normally I one of the big things I do uh, in in my publication is to is to make a top ten list at the end of the year. It's definitely one of the things where everything you you watch is a top ten worthy or not. Um, I don't have too much time to go over the whole thing, um, but I will say that I'm sort of struggling. Um, 
before the uh, fall season hit, I had ten in order, and you guys can comment on 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 what you think of them. Um, going from ten to one, my top ten were um, better. Call Saul, uh, AMC. It's a good sophomore effort. Um, uh, fresh off the boat on ABC, it's a family sitcom that uh, allows you to sort of relive your 90s nostalgia um, with a good immigrant perspective and a sort of a meta commentary. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix, uh, which is another, which is a sophomore effort of Tina Fey. Uh, Narcos. I agree on that is, one. That one's pretty good. So go ahead. Narcos for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Narcos is a docudrama on Netflix about Pablo Escobar's regime. Um, then I have uh, The Brink on HBO, uh, a sort of Doctor Strange love. Well, that, that's not a favorable comparison, but a uh, you know a, a, a sort of a multi a multi body comedy in a war situation. Um, BoJack Horseman on Netflix, uh, Orange is the New Black on Netflix, Empire on Fox, Last Man on Earth on Fox, and uh, one that I always think is among the best things on television and had a really great season was It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on FX. However, as the fall season hit, I think that Fresh Off the Boat and Last Man on Earth are both shows that are really throwing a lot of curves and staying unpredictable. Empire, which I think really had a great balance of kind of drama that you could feel, I think it started to get too soapish and I quit it, and I have a, a couple new shows that are kind of vying for the place, including Homeland, um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with that one. It's on it's on the CW. Uh, right, it's uh, from YouTuber Rachel Bloom, who has a really clever sensibility and who does a lot of kind of fun, very diverse and musical numbers. She leveraged that brand well into a musical about a a woman who's kind of off balance and following a guy who she went out with Ten years ago at summer camp, halfway across the country, um, and it's a really off balance, uh, great you know show with a very musically talented ensemble um, that doesn't that really is exploring its side characters and not really uh, throwing a lot of curves. And also, uh, in addition to that, in Homeland is a show called Casual, which is from Jason Reitman, and it sort of follows that sort of very thin comedy drama line that he explores in young adults and up in the air with characters who are kind of writing themselves and trying, this is an overly romantic uh, answers to their lives, but with, uh, with a sort of psychological underpinning that these shows uh, that these people have to write themselves psychologically uh, stars Michaela Watkins and Carolyn Byer. Um, and it's, it's usually in those romantic shows, it's, you're just, I'm not sure why I'm feeling sorry about a guy having lots and lots of sex, but I think this show is one of the few that sells it where the, there are kind of empty characters that have a lot of kind of completion to do. And it's definitely, I would definitely try to watch it as sort of a psychological drama, but it's a very interesting and slow-moving show. Um, so that would, that's the bulk of my list. Well, thank you, Colleen and Oren, and uh, Colin, anytime you, you any? want to talk oh. to TV. And do you, you have, have any top five or I actually I don't watch a lot of television, so that's why oh. I was going to have Aaron lead the segment. Uh, you know, uh, the show Unbreakable, uh, Young Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I really do like that show. I think that show is pretty funny, and I watched that this year. Um, you know, I, I yeah. Arthur, 
you know, I, I, I watch my staples, but we talked about all of that in the season already. So in season two, you're definitely going to come back, and we're going to definitely talk some more television. So thank you, Orange, right. for calling at any Sounds time. Great. And let's love. And, and uh, uh, you guys should also check out, soon. I know if you like, if you like Archer for the continuity, uh, Bojack Horseman is, a, is an animated show on Netflix that uh, really has a lot of depth and continuity and characters that are very bittersweet and melancholy. And the the level of callbacks is is just insane. It's uh, and it's the level of depth that you see in each animation cell. The the jokes in the background is a really great show. So I definitely recommend BoJack Horseman as well to people who love uh, Archer yeah, and those I, kind of animated shows. I'm gonna actually watch it pretty soon. Actually, that was the one show that I've been meaning to watch. And I also want to give a quick shout out to John Oliver's show. That is a show I watch every every week. Uh, I think yeah, John Oliver's show is one of the last best year. shows on television. Um, period. So, um, and I know you you got to meet him, so it's pretty awesome. So anyway, I gotta let you go because I got another caller on the line. But we will. Thank see you, you very much. Soon. Have a great night. Have a good night. Thank you. So that was Oren Conan, and uh, we always appreciate when he calls in. And we have uh, Cash. Do you have any final things you want to say about television before we move on to our next guest? We never got to Penny Dreadful. We never got to Penny Dreadful. I just, wonderful show. Can't wait for the next season. Wonderful period piece. I love the costumes. I love the characters. I love all the actors and actresses involved. Uh, I think it's a, it's almost a perfect show, and it's right down our alley if you're a horror fan. It's like the best show on TV right now. Like Even though Ash vs. Evil that is really fun, Penny Dreadful is just deep and powerful and like touches all that classic horror stuff that I love. Oh, so good. Season 1, wow. episode 2. Okay, season one, episode two, where they're doing the seance, and she starts channeling, uh, uh, I forget his name right now, she starts channeling his dead children and getting up on the table and the shit coming out of her mouth and the the mania in her eyes. I was just like, I was, I couldn't, it was some of the best TV I'd ever seen. I'm like, and then she just bursts out of the room and starts screwing some guy in the alley. I'm like, this show's for me. I was hooked, yep. lined and sinking <laughs> right from there. What a great performance by her. Fabulous. And we'll, so we'll definitely highlight Penny Dreadful as well. And uh, speaking of sexy witches, because we are all about sexy witches, male and females, but here's a new sexy witch that J.K. asked if she could come on the show and talk a little bit about her, uh, uh, her endeavors with a new TV show called The Tales of Horror. And I was like, yes, not only is she a sexy witch and she's local to me, which is awesome. I had no idea she was from the D.C. area. She also, um, this was a really good year for horror shorts. They were everywhere. People were posting really good, high-quality horror shorts all over the web. And there were film festivals this year that launched just for showing film shorts, which I thought was awesome. And I really, like, excited to know that we have uh, someone here who's also, uh, their new show is highlighting horror shorts with tales of, of horror. So here, let me introduce Amy Humphreys of Harvest Moon Motion Pictures and Television. Welcome, my dear. You're on with the Sexy Witches. How are you doing? Hi, guys. Very good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, J.K. said that he's actually working with you. So what does that mean, working with you? (laughs) Well, actually, J.K. and I have a long history uh, together because I also am the creative director for Malevolent Magazine. And J.K. has been on board um, contributing his 
expertise with us. So in this new endeavor with the amazing Harvest Moon Motion Pictures and Television, I couldn't think of a better right-hand person. Um, Because of his knowledge, he's an encyclopedia. I'm kind of more of the business aspect that I'm a fan, but I get to apply uh, the business part of it. So he is actually our director of media and public relations. So he's my right hand. So he's the one that's out doing all the advertising, which is, a, you know, I don't begrudge anybody that does advertising. Like Cash works his butt off because he has to cut his show together and advertise. I advertise for this show even though the show is really raw. I just throw it out there and whatever happens, happens. And believe me, a lot of bad things have happened on this show technically, <laughs> live shows, you know. Uh, but, you know, uh, it it's always amazes me how hard advertising, especially uh, on the web, is. And it's something that has to happen. <laughs> so plug Absolutely. away. That's why I always, I always yeah. tell you. So and JK is good. Good luck to him, and congratulations on the on the on the job day. Good luck. <laughs> yes, thank you lo- very much. It could be it's it, it's a curse and a blessing. Because there's so many platforms out there, and advertising is such a main component for any project that if you can own that first, then you've kind of got your foothold. So it's it, it, it's out there, it's relevant, it's useful, but man, if it is not, um, there's an accountability level that is is tough. So you have to bring on the best. And we definitely have the best. So we're going to talk more about your TV show in a minute. Uh, we actually just yes. came off a talk about TV. So we want to lighten it up a bit because you're in The Sexy Witches, and we are about banter. What is your favorite TV show, horror or not, from this year? What really stood out for you? What were you watching in 2015? I have to say that TV is it, – it's not something that I get to watch a lot of, but when I do, there's there's two categories. One, I have to agree 100% on Penny Dreadful because of the storyline, the way Yay. that it's executed, the way that they have taken classics but made them relevant but put them in the time period to where you're not looking for movie fouls. Um on the flip, on the lighter note, I also love iZombie because I like the humor side of it as well. So I think there's two beautiful, beautifully executed shows that are out there depending on the mood that you're looking for. So I would have I to like say it. it's really well done. And I love it. Really is. I wish it got more publicity because it's yeah. it's fantastic. It's actually brilliant. Great storyline. I think it's a great show and like there's all these weird obstacles she has to overcome just being a zombie. And I think it's brilliant for that. I agree. I agree. And on the flip side of it, you get to go back to the basics and have Penny Dreadful and have all those originals that gave us the genre that we have, but in such a storyline to where it's not, you don't have any hurdles to get over. It's a beautiful merriment of the classics. And yes. 
the cinematography is fantastic. The situations that they're in, the twist, it's it's so brilliant. So so I would have to say that's my first. Well, I, it sounds like I'm missing out, Cash. I haven't seen Penny <laughs> Dreadful yet. So I I watch less than all of you. I don't watch television at all. I wasn't even watching Ashford's The Evil Dead because I don't have cable. But Aaron Marie, (laughs) my missing sexy witch, helped me out. So I'm good. I'm caught up. And I'm like, yay. So that's the one show I don't want to miss. But, but, you know, and and here you are, Amy. You're about to, you Mm -hmm. are, actually, you're already in episode two of your own TV show on Vimeo, Tales of Horror. So please tell us about this horror show web series that you've watched it is it's surreal it is a project of passion and it is uh, supported by an incredible team it is the brain um, child of Sean Anthony who writer director feature films uh, CEO of Harvest Moon uh, motion pictures and television but the platform is innovative and anytime you say the word innovative, you also have to be realistic in growing it. So to not, I don't want to be um, loose with its description, but think of Tales of, think, think of uh, Tales from the Crypt. You have a host, yes? You have a great story. What we wanted to do was take this very random skeleton and apply it to a television series because there is such an there is such an abundance of shorts that are out there and a, an amazing abundance of directors and people with creativity that is oozing because shorts are usually your litmus test but there's really no platform for them unless you go to YouTube which is more so of likes versus benefits so what we did is we took all these components, put them together, exclusively got airtime with uh, Vimeo, and take the host aspect, because we now have Jessica Felice, which is an indie actress who is um, acting as host. She is Lilith, and, uh, which, is, and, which is amazing because she's fantastic. But what our objective is, is we take all of these shorts, we combine them, edit them, beautifully execute them, and put them in an episode. But what this does that no one else does is there is a kickback to these filmmakers. They get a profit off of the episode. After 13 episodes, there's going to be a season one distribution, iTunes, uh, DVD, Blu-ray. They also get a profit off of the distribution of season one on um, on those channels. That's not been done before. So those filmmakers spend this time, but it's not only for getting the crowd, but they get to profit off of that to put into your Kickstarters. Because let's be honest, our wonderful community is saturated with Kickstarters. And it's so hard because there are so, there's an abundance of great projects out there, but this gives them an ad of, this gives them a platform not only to make a profit but put it towards a feature film, to put it towards Kickstarter. 
it's just our way of giving back. So uh, how has it been received so far? Because you're in episode two, so you must have gotten some feedback. It has been overwhelming. You, With anything that's new, to say that it's run perfectly would be unrealistic. But at the same time, if you have, if you have a company that is powered off of passion, everyone's feedback is how we are greater. Every episode improves. And um, so we've gotten amazing feedback from it, and we're only improving. So it's, it's, it's a market that has needed to be touched, but it's also a community that I think appreciates the fact that shorts are so overlooked. They really are. <laughs> Because it's kind but of. I also, like I said, I I think this year it it's actually I've seen the like actual film festivals pop up specifically for shorts. So I actually think we're on yes. the edge of a shorts renaissance. We're about to see some massive amounts of talent explode onto the short scene. And I I am a huge shorts fan in the sense that I used to run the showcase for the shorts for the Oscars in D.C. at the National Archives and Records Administration. I used to be part of that program. So I have a real passion for shorts. (laughs) I love shorts. I'm going to try and make shorts my first story. You know, Orrin was asking about what makes a filmmaker earlier, why you're drawn to horror. And I always make a joke that if you boil any director down, somewhere in the closet is either a horror film or a really bad documentary. One of the two, sometimes both. Right. Uh, you know, because that's where you have to get your start. You know, it's a rite of passage to do horror. And horror yeah. shorts is definitely... I saw some great horror shorts at Awesome Con this year, uh, and I was very impressed with the showcase I saw there. So uh, I'm really excited about anybody highlighting shorts. Oh yeah, it's it's it is a beautiful introduction. I mean, there's because you're not taking someone, you're not taking too much of someone's time, but you are giving a beautiful kind of representation of yourself. So to give that a platform. And the fact that there are so many indie filmmakers out there that one of the things in me being a part of uh, Malevolent Magazine and all the things I've done in the past, I have a passion for independent because there is such a freedom of uh, creativity and passion. You get such a raw, honest introduction that it's... it's abundant and it's fantastic. And to take it a step further, the the one of the reasons that I got into horror is because I can, as a very young age, I could actually turn the sound off and I wasn't afraid of it, but all my senses exploded because I wanted to know how did you make that set? How did someone tap into actually scaring the shit out of somebody so I didn't need, I didn't need to be engaged. I didn't need the storyline. There were so many fascinating artistic components that you could turn the sound off. Now, if you had done that with a you know a romantic movie, it would be boring because there'd be two people talking, so you needed the dialogue. There's such an abundance of artistic talent that it's rare. 
and it's beautiful. So why not? Hey, Kat, I have a quick question leading into what she just said about the sound down. Have you done uh, Chuck Russell's Dream Warriors yet for Horror 101? Which one? Uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Have you done that one yet? No, we haven't, no. No, I didn't think so. It's a little bit bigger than what you would normally do, I'd guess. Uh, I know you've done The Blob, which was his next film, which is like one of my favorite podcasts he did. But what I was leading into, she's talking about having the sound down. And I've told this story many times, but the first time I ever saw Freddy Krueger in a slash, it was Dream Warriors at a slumber party. And everyone had the sound down through all the scary parts. And they were all freaked <laughs> out. But here I'm watching it. No, no, you know, the great dialogue, missing all of that part of the story, not caring because the movie is rocking, even with the sound down. So, I, and it hooked me to realize, wait a minute, not all slashers suck. Because at this point, I was not a slasher fan. I did not like Freddy. I didn't get Freddy yet until I saw that movie. And I was like, I, I didn't watch Mike Myers films, and Jason was boring to me. Jason kind of still is, uh, yeah. but we won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, but, you know, but, uh, you know, I, so spectacle, uh, there's definitely a spectacle element to horror that we all uh, take to. Uh, I bet you Christian Peak, you could do the same thing for it. You could turn the sound down. It's probably really pretty. Oh, yeah, it is very pretty. But on the other side of the coin, though, I always say that a movie is 70% sound, it, music or whatever, and 30% visual. If you take the music and all that out, you could watch the, the worst movie possible. If you got the sound down, it's not going to affect you. But if you start getting that score in there, you start hearing the screaming, you start hearing all that, right. the, the different sound effects, then it's going, to, it's going to put you in there. I can remember growing up, some of the most scariest things I remember was being upstairs and listening to my old man watch movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and Evil Dead. And I could hear the yeah. audio of the film creeping its way up the, the hallway to my bedroom. And some of the noises that were coming out just scared the living shit out of me because I don't know what's going on. All I hear is these screams and cackling and, and really weird music and just all that. Is, my imagination is going nuts. What is yeah. going on down there? You know, so yeah, it's the other side. Even, even things like, I can remember if my parents had a get-together or something like that, I'm almost falling asleep, and then you could hear this murmur of about six or seven people downstairs just kind of talking, just a murmur, and then all of a sudden somebody would say something funny, and everybody would erupt into this laughter. Well, to me, it sounded like a whole bunch of witches cackling down there, and it freaked me out. Even though I knew it was a bunch of people laughing, that's just right. just the way you interpret what you hear. I think sound is very important. Absolutely, I, well, I agree. I, it follows. Yeah, well, I do agree too. I, I, I mean, I'm married a sound engineer, so yes, I actually have very, very big opinions of sound. That's why this show drives me nuts because the sound sucks. But that's another story. Uh, but, you know, uh, It Follows probably would not be nearly as effective if it wasn't for the amazing score that went with that movie. Because the score mm-hmm. really pounds it into what's happening. And it, and, and it acts, it's a little exclamation point at the end of, you know, uh, at the end of the, peri- of the sentence. Is this 
brilliant. I really enjoyed. And Waxwork, I want to give one of my favorite things a shout-out. Oh, Waxwork was my the limited God. vinyl releases, and they had an It Follows release on, on Waxwork and a bunch of other great Beautiful colored print vinyls on 33. So huge shout out to Waxwork is one of my favorite things of 2015. So uh, We are now officially yeah. best friends. That's one of my all-time favorites. That is I think Waxwork, I think one of, my uh, of Anthony favorites. Hickox's film with David Warner in the 80s. You guys seen that one? I think uh, You guys say Waxwork, and that's what I think of. Oh, Which well, that's a movie. Sorry. I love that movie. I have that movie. Uh, I love David Warner, but that's another story. No, no, no. It's a, it's a vinyl company that releases limited edition soundtracks, oh. and they did okay. It Follows this year. What else? Is, do, you, do you remember, Amy, any of the other ones? They did a bunch of them this year. The person that would know that would be James Harris, if he's listening. Doc Terror. Exactly. Doc Terror. He's bought, he exactly. always, he's now that I think about it, they just uh, waxwork. They just did the um, Hills Have Eyes soundtrack. I'm pretty yes, sure right. yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Uh, see, they're great. They're awesome. So, like I said, a favorite thing oh, yeah. is 2015 is definitely, like I said, and Shout Factory is another one of my favorite things of 2015. Mm-hmm. I bought, they, I, it's really scary to me. I think media, you know, it's interesting because you have this show on Vimeo, which is definitely a, an internet thing. But so uh, one of the, my favorite things of 2015, and I hope we all agree, is that media has become popular again. Books increased. People buy have bought more books this year. Ebooks took a huge dive. People are buying vinyl again, comic books, and are going to movies. So yes. uh, and people are buying DVDs and Blu-rays. People are actually buying them. They're loving these small batch boutique DVDs. People are really, really getting into them and steel books. A lot of people are collecting those now. And I also wanted to give a shout out to one of the best steel books I saw this year, which was the Tenembrae release, which also shameless plug, Chris Garofalo, who's been on the show a couple of times with Colt Pace Studios, they actually used some of his artwork in the steel book. So congratulations to Chris on that. So that's another one of my favorite things of 2015. I'm not a huge Argento fan, but I love Tenembrae. And I love the look on this steel book. You can imagine Argento plus comic books, beautiful, just just gorgeous. Wow! So, yeah, so I bet. Shout out to. Well, that. I can tell. I can um, tell you on the media side, from doing market analysis over the past year and a half, it, it has the horror magazine industry and market, if you will has increased at least three times what it was in 2013, which is nice because it is that uh, going back to not only the smell of a new magazine, but the artistic ability if a magazine does it right, but also the fact that you get to encapsulate with that information. And it's so nice to see that being appreciated again. Yeah, it, uh, it's yeah, like did. people are people. People like be people like tactile things. They like buying something that they can touch. You know, right. DVDs. You know, you, you could you could download a film, you grab it from Netflix or whatever you want. But to to get a movie in the wherever you get it from and open up the the box and look at the cover art and stuff like that. People love that. They love having tactile, tangible collections, whether it's books. DVDs, Blu-rays, magazines, you name it. it. It is coming back because 
people like being able to touch and see their uh, their collections again. I want to have something I can see. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, first of I, all... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead I'll stand back. Oh, I, was, I was just going to say, I think that's where the... When you get to the, the hardcore um, detail of a fan, that's where the saturation of... So with so many things being accessible for free, that's where if you really kind of step back and look at it, you can benefit from it by making materials that tap into that holding on to history. Because I don't think that there's anyone that doesn't want to hold on to nostalgia. Because if if you put it out there and it's content worthy and you're holding on to a piece of history and tells of horror plays into this because it's the first format that has shorts as episodes with a host that the benefit of that is whoever the market is, and there is significantly one out there, they're going to want to hold on to the original. You cannot dispute that getting your hands on an original is not a major market because it taps into the fan base and it taps into that nostalgia. I think it's interesting also to point out that Queenie, who works for Living Dead Magazine here, uh, you know, they were able to afford to host a horror convention this year. So that actually shows in itself that there's enough popularity with horror magazines that they're able to expand their brands. And Living Dead is not a huge magazine, but it's significant to the region. And Portland was lacking in a horror convention. I actually think it's Mm -hmm. way overdue. Art Mag is beautiful, too. Art Mag is fabulous and beautiful, and it can run with the big dogs. Like, it can run Mm -hmm. with Room Magazine. If you look at our mag, it's well put together. We put a lot of work in that mag. I think heart and and passion translate. It really, it really, really does. Oh, Cause you can, mm-hmm. I think being a real, being having the pulse on horror, you can tell the difference between a suit numbers person, between just the purity of a fan, and yeah. it's it's very relevant and very transparent, and and that's where it needs to be, and. I stand behind that, run my stuff off of that particular uh, mission. It has to come from the heart. If you're doing this for dollar signs, let the door hit you in the ass on the way out because you're not doing it for the right reason. <laughs> I, really I, I, I would agree with her there. I mean, I've been doing it. I've been doing. We're almost at 50 shows, and uh, I haven't seen one cent for the days and weeks of time I've put into the show, none of my colleagues had. We do it because we love to do it. And we right. love we love to reach people who you know, if I I always said at the beginning of our project, if I reach one person, one person who goes to watch a movie that we spotlight in our show and they find mm-hmm. the movie that they otherwise would have never have heard about and they watch it and they love it and I hear about it, then our job is done. That's what we're there agreed. for. Yes, agreed. A hundred percent. Same here. Yep. Well, it's been a great pleasure, Amy, to have you on the show and talk about your endeavors. And it was, I'm going to give you a couple more minutes here. 
Shameless plug. What's up, the pipe? About episode three. What the Hollywood <laughs> Horror Museum? A quick rundown on that too, because we didn't have time to talk about that. And she's part of the Hollywood Horror Museum too. So I mean, she's got so much juggling up in the air. Was I hope your balls don't all fall on your head at once. It's so great. <laughs> it's awesome. So please, you have the floor. Two minutes, my dear. Absolutely. I am. Um... Absolutely excited about Harvest Moon uh, motion pictures and television. Uh, be on the lookout, guys. We have a sick catalog, and it's just starting with Tales of Horror, the TV series. But we also have feature films. We, As of today, we are officially partnered with Tom Holland and Terraton as our media partnership. So we've got the media between Malevolent Magazine, Terraton as a website, Tom Holland, Harvest Moon, television, and motion pictures, we've got a powerhouse coming. And everyone on the team is doing this because of the heart and the passion of the of the industry and our community. Um, also, I am the acquisitions uh, and planning director for Hollywood Horror Museum uh, with uh, Houston Huddleston. We're on our world tour. Starting will be housed in uh, 2018, which is fantastic. Our board of directors is just phenomenal. I work with some of the great Clive Barker, Sean Cunningham, Joe Dante, Mick Garris, Tom Holland, Sarah Karloff, the son of, and Tim Lucas, Jennifer Lynch, Victoria Price. We are going to make this um, a nonprofit educational foundation as well as you get props. You get TV, you get literature, you get to be taught filmmaking, special effects, prosthetics. This is what our community needs. So in 2018, we'll have a house, and it'll be in L.A., but we're going to go on tour for the next couple of years. And to be quite honest, just be on the lookout. I've got my hands in a lot of stuff, but I'm surrounded by the most remarkable people. It's taken a lot of years to get here, but the community is loved. It is respected, and by God, we're going to bring you great shit. Well, thank you for coming on the air, Amy, and call back and give us an update on how things are going. Yes, and I will give you guys an exclusive. Oh, on episode three, on episode three, which will air not this Saturday but next, you, the viewers, will actually get the first episode that is completely Harvest Moon and Tom Holland. We will have shorts that are done and created by Harvest Moon because we have our own features and shorts, but there will also be one by Mr. Tom Holland. So it will be completely our new brand episode, definitely one you want to look out for. And you're talking about Tom Holland like the director of Fright Night, Tom Holland. Yes, sir, the one and only. Very cool. Yes. Very, 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 very cool. So we've got uh, we've got a radio show called Fright Bite that uh, I'll be in charge of starting in 2016. We've got a lot of work with uh, Mr. Holland himself. We are partnered with Terra Time as a media partnership. So we have every one studio, one thing that a studio, or 
I'll say this. One thing that we have as a studio is all of the media outlets covered, radio, TV, magazines, Internet, the whole nine. That way, whatever we produce, we've got all that coming out, and it's under our house. So that is, uh, that's an advantage. But it's good stuff, and it's not for the dollar sign. It's to take it back to the purest point. It's to do it for the fans, and I think that will translate. And so excited for the future, guys, and couldn't thank you enough for letting me have this time to give you guys the exclusives of um, all the great things to come because no one else has gotten this. Well, thank you. And um, we're going to let you go, but call in at any time, and we'll see you around hopefully sooner than later. So join us again. Thank you. I would be honored. Thank you guys for your time. Have a great night. Have Take a care. great night. So thank right. you. That was Amy Amy Humphreys of Harvest Moon Motion Pictures and Television talking about her new web series giving some highlights to some well-deserved horror shorts. And uh, we're actually going to move on to the community calendar, but the community calendar, of course, always has some of our favorite things. Real quick shout-out. I wanted to give a quick fan event shout-out to my three favorite fan events that happened this year, Uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show 40th Anniversary in New York, also in Brooklyn, New York, there was the Warriors Reunion fan event, and that was a huge hit. And, of course, Scares It Cares, which is my local haunt in Williams, uh, Williamsburg, which was really, really a great experience this year. So, And then, of course, I know Flynn Shatner, but that's another story. Now, Cash, are you going to stay on for this segment? or are, uh, Actually, or Liz, I should get going because yep. I'm, I'm halfway done I'm the Texas Chainsaw Massacre show. I'm going to try and get it done for this week, so I, I'm, I'm interested in getting back at it. So I should take off. But it's been a great okay. time talking to you guys again. I always love love joining you guys on your show i love it when you come on cash and after this episode what is the next movie do we know yet well you you know an admission last time i spoke to you on the last show that we did i said that the next show was going to be reanimator and we actually did yeah you did do the reanimator show we sat down i brian stewart and nick mcpherson they hadn't seen it we watched the movie we talked about crimson peak and because of technical difficulties with the software we were using the whole session was destroyed we couldn't Aww. use it and, yeah well, so we were like oh dear lord it's gone so and then I'm like, okay, well let's do it again. Get back here. We'll do it again. We'll do it live. <laughs> what is that? What O'Reilly said? We'll do it live. But then we heard Gunnar Hansen passed away. I'm like, change of plans. Episode 48 will be on Gunnar Hansen and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I'm thinking that 49. This is uh, 48 that's coming. Episode 49 will probably be Reanimator because they really love the movie. I think it'd be an excellent show. And episode 50, I'm juggling around the option. We're thinking back, okay, well, 50 years from now was 1960. Well, that show won't be out till 2016, so it'll probably be 1966. If there is a, a horror movie from 66 that we feel is is good enough, I think we'll spotlight that. If not, it's kind of up in the air. I don't know where we're going. We fly by the seat of our pants on this show. We really do. Well, I, I'll talk to you about your reanimator show if you notice. You actually, your reanimator inspired my costume this year for Halloween. I, I saw that. You, showed, you, you, you posted that picture. Yeah, I, you had the, 
the glasses and the lab coat on and you had the syringe with the yep. green stuff on, I'm like, hmm, I wonder where she got that idea. And then you're like, hey, yeah, look, no, you, you inspired. Totally inspired. I'm like, me. yeah. I spent exactly $10.99 on that costume and 58 cents of Jello. And that's it. It was a great costume. So I, I thank you for that. So thank you, Cash, for being on the show. Always call in randomly anytime. Uh, we love when you call in. Next uh, in two weeks is our is our Christmas episode. So if you want to just randomly call in and talk about your favorite Christmas horror, after all, Black oh, Christmas yeah, I'm is in, in your wheelhouse. I'm in. What, two weeks from now. Please. Yeah, I'm two in. weeks from now, on the 1st. I'm in. So we're having a special Krampus episode So um, with uh, Kevin Summerfield, who directed uh, Dismembering Christmas. So I'm uh, looking forward to that episode. So call in, Cash, and we'll talk to you then. Absolutely. Fabulous. Have a good one, and thank you for being on the Sexy All right, Wishes. Take care. Take care, right, so take care our... Sexy Wishes. I will talk to you guys later. Yep. Great. Good night now. Bye-bye. So, Queenie, that was Cash. We always love when he's on the show. Everyone wanted to be in on the show tonight. We even have two more people on hold waiting patiently. So I'm going to bring wow. them on. They're two of our regulars, and they're going to join us in the community calendar segment. So uh, okay. first of all, I want to say welcome, gentlemen. You're on with the Sexy Witches. How you doing? Thank you for waiting. Good evening. Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, what's up? Ah, so this is my cousin, the LOK correspondent, Eric Kogan, and one of my favorite people on the web, Eric Polk of Dollar Bin Horror Radio. They're going to join us for our community calendar segment. In fact, I'm going to open the community calendar segment right now with my community calendar music. Here we go. (laughs) Lovely. And we are going to start with Eric Polk. Um, Sir, you have two major things that have happened to you in the last two weeks. And first of all, I wanted to say um, the, the one of them is kind of sad for me, uh, is that you announced two days ago that you're canceling Dollar Bin Horror Radio. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't have to go into why. No. You know, those are your, your decisions. But we are I very sad to hear. <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows. It's one of my favorite shows. I love you guys. Oh, we thanks, Queenie. We uh, Ron and I appreciate that, but it's but just uh, Robom Robom one not going into too much depth. Uh, next year would be uh, five years since we came on the air, and really Ron and I we just sat down and talked about there's we we couldn't go any farther. We had covered I think everything we possibly wanted to cover in nearly 150 episodes, and we both you were also on. You were all nominated for Rondo multiple times, so people mm-hmm. were listening to your show. And uh, if it wasn't for Brandon Sites asking me to sub for him one day when Brandon was still on the show and you were the triumphant of terror, uh, I would I'd probably not, the madness would not have expanded the way it has. And so I wanted to bring you on and say thank you because a lot of it, I wouldn't have actually met you. And I wouldn't have met Queenie if it wasn't for you and Dollar Bin Horror and your openness allowing me to use your show for the plat- Madness platform. So thank you. And, and, and this podcast wouldn't exist either. So well, you really are an inspiration. So thank you, Eric. You yeah. will always be one of my biggest influences on the web. So thank you for that. That's what I wanted to say well, thank to you. you. That's really, Make that's sure really you know how much we say. love you. Well, oh, we, I, I appreciate that. 
Thank you. So, we, I, I appreciate that. I really, I really do. It's, I mean, you're always going to have a place here on our show, and you're going to be on our show with my cousin Aaron in, in, in not the next show, but the show after our season finale. Yeah. We're going to talk the shit out of Star Wars together. Oh yeah, there so, we go. Yeah, there we go. And Frank to load on that one, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll be doing that, but you know, but from the ashes of Dollar Bin Horror Radio, the phoenix rises, and you are now a published author. Your first book has come out. Would you please yeah. talk about Primitive Glow? Oh, I'd love to talk about by the that. Way. Thank you, thank you very much. Wow, where do I begin with this? Uh, it's a project I had worked on six, six I told a grand total of six years off and on. It wasn't like. I spent six years in my little writing room just banging away at the keyboard, you know, producing a massive amount of garbage. No, it was kind of an off-and-on project. Um, I'd start a draft, I'd work on it for a little bit, then I'd quit and then work on something else, or I would just give up on it entirely. But around April, I'd say, I finally told my wife, I'm going to get this done one way or the other. So I spent um, about three or four months Polishing it up, making turning it into the story I wanted to, I wanted the story to turn into. Um, basically, the gist of the story is it's a, it's essentially a, it's essentially what I call a space pulp. It's not pure science fiction. It just happens to be a little detective story that happens to take place in outer space in the 22nd century. It's um, more or less if you if you guys are familiar with Ed McBain's work from the. Uh, he did the 87 precinct novels back in the uh, between the 50s and the 1990s. And for the horror movie fans out there, Ed McBain was also known as Evan Hunter, who wrote the screenplay for Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. So that's a huge, huge horror influence right there. So I kind of took his uh, idea of the 87 precinct, the detective, the detectives, and just put it in put it in the space, put that kind of gritty concept into. The, up there, and I mixed it in with a little bit of X Files and a little bit of uh, All the President's Men, which is one of my uh, favorite non-horror, non-science fiction films with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford and Hal Holbrook as Deep Throat. So I just kind of put it all together, and out it ca- and out it came, and I put it out about two weeks ago. I, you know, it's funny we're talking we, uh, in your last segment. You talked about physical media, but here I am. I released it on ebook format. Of all things, but and don't don't get me wrong, I would I still I love physical media. I would rather I enjoy collecting my DVDs and my books, but eBooks are also like another way to take you know to uh, to really I you know I don't have a problem with that taking it out into uh, the, taking it out into another kind of platform. And it's it's a heck of I'll be the first to tell you it's a heck of a lot easier to send it out to the people and see what they think of it as opposed to sending it out to a publisher and waiting. Months and months and months and months when you want to just say go 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 go, you know I want to do I want to do this all I want to do this all on my own, so to speak. But yeah, it's it was um I learned a lot in those six I learned a lot about myself in those six years and the a permanent glow is the fruit of uh, a very long labor. Well, congratulations, Eric, and I wanted to go, so our recommendation on the community calendar for book this week is Primitive Glow by Eric Polk, 
And please, you can pick it up. I believe on is it iTunes or Amazon? How do you how do you buy? How you do you can, purchase okay, the two the two the two main ways you can do it is you can go to Amazon.com or you can go to Smashwords.com. Either way, and you can okay. uh, and you can pick it up. Yeah, the thing with Smashwords. Thing, the difference between Smashwords and Amazon is that you don't need to download the Kindle app or anything for Smashwords. You can just go right on the site and just read it there if you want. Fabulous. So please, we'll post it on our Facebook page. And uh, Eric, stick around. We've got a lot to talk about on the community calendar. And Aaron, welcome and joining us here. Um, how many of you guys are video game gamers in this group? Definitely. Oh, I am. As we speak, speak, I am waiting for my limited edition Darth Vader PlayStation 4 deck to arrive with the Battlefront bundle. Oh, Oh, I'm sure your wife loves that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've already said, you know, honey, I made a couple meals. They're in the fridge, you know. If you need anything, poke me with a stick. But, you know, basically, I'll be here for a couple days. So, yes, one of my choices, I have actually... Two video game choices coming out, and one of them is, yes, yeah, Star Wars Battlefront. If you are interested in this, you're not a geek. But the one I really wanted to point out this week, my video game choice is actually one of my favorites when I get to play, which is not very often, which is Fallout 4. And uh, it's getting rave reviews. Everyone's loving it. I know people that are, like, not eating and playing this thing. And here's a fun <laughs> fact, folks. There was a direct correlation with the release of Fallout 4 and Pornhub. Pornhub had a dip in had a dip in visitation that was equidistant to the rise in visitation on Fallout 4. So they think everyone stopped uh, whacking off to shoot zombies. So are, are you saying there's a correlation? Uh, there is a correlation. I'm going to post that. I've actually already posted that. Uh, link, but I'll post it again. Yeah. So, uh, That's awesome. Fallout no, no, 4 I saw it. It's awesome. Yeah, 4-4 <laughs> is my video game choice of, 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 of this episode, so community calendar. Now we're going to go right into theaters, folks, because there's an elephant in the room this weekend. Uh, you know, we get, we're right on Thanksgiving, so we got three major films to talk about. Let's talk about the smaller ones first. First of all is Victor Frankenstein, starring Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy, and that will be at 11.15. So, obviously, Queenie, I'm sure you're interested. I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they do with the Frankenstein story. I I was very bummed because I thought the drive-in was going to get it, and no, they're showing Young Frankenstein, the Gene Wilder movie, which is good. I really wanted to see Daniel Radcliffe's movie. Uh, so, uh, so Victor That'd make a great double a bill. Uh, it might actually. So, uh, <laughs> uh, also, Pixar has their big film that same day, The Good Dinosaur, which my daughter is so freaking out about. Like every moment, we're gonna go see The Good Dinosaur. So we're gonna go see The Good Dinosaur. I cannot probably... stress to you enough how beautiful that film looked at the D twenty three Disney Expo. There are scenes that you would swear to God were filmed out in Yosemite or Yellowstone or wherever. And it's all animated, but it's just gorgeous, photorealistic, gorgeous beyond belief. Well, we'll have to see. I'm I'm going to end up seeing it no matter what. I really actually was surprised <laughs> how good Inside Out was. Uh, I was expecting it to be a bit more gimmicky, but it ended up being pretty damn good. My husband thought it was depressing. 
<laughs> which it is in a little bit of a way. Uh, so um, also on the 1115 is Creed, which is the Iraqi sequel uh, about Apollo Creed's son, who's played by Jor- uh, Jordan, P. Jordan. Oh, my goodness. Michael B. Jordan. But he was... He, yeah, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I even have it in my notes. Who was in uh, Fruitvale Station, which I absolutely love that movie, and uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. I really like the last Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa. So I actually think this film has potential. What about you guys? Well, I'll tell you what. Didn't Rocky learned his lesson last time we tried to train a boxer. I mean, <laughs> you know, because if you remember Rocky Five, you saw what happened when he trained when he trained somebody. What happened to him? So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm 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 pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen this time around. But no, I, I, I gotta I don't say think... that the trailers I've seen of Rocky Five, and I'm not a, a huge Rocky fan at all, but it does make it look good. Uh, Victor Frankenstein looks a little campy, but I'm still interested enough that I'll probably go see it. Yeah, but of I'm course probably... the biggest out. All of these films sound interesting. I don't think any of us would say no if we had a chance to go. But the big elephant in the room this weekend, of course, is, is coming up, and that is Mockingjay Part 2. So I, I have to say a few things about this film real quick. First of all, I read the books, and a lot of people don't like this book for a very specific reason. And it's a very horrible thing that happens in the story. I'm wondering if they're actually going to do it because it is actually so shocking. I don't know if American audiences could actually handle it. Um, and and without going into too much detail, how many people know what I'm talking about? Not me. I, I only know. read the first one. No, you read yeah. more than I have, Aaron. So. Yeah, I know that. The third book is kind of problematic, but it actually does play into the whole, you know, anti-war thing. It's a very anti-war book, even more than the other two were in some ways. And uh, the reviews of Mockingjay have been fabulous so far, and and that's coming from people who are book readers and non-book readers. Uh, But, um, Queenie, how do you feel about the final Mockingjay? We're finally wrapping up this series, and how do you feel about the series in general? In general, I'm kind of like, meh. It wasn't a series that really bit me. It had some fun moments. It had some really good moments. But I was never a fan of Mockingjay. I'm sorry. Um, I'm can, excited I about the that. gospel. <laughs> We're talking books, you know? You know, I'm I actually really excited that Jennifer Lawrence had such a great vehicle. And Francis Lawrence, who's actually a very underrated director, had a really good like like his you know really good chance to show off what they can do so there's that mm-hmm. and I I don't know if they're gonna last or have longevity but they were fun and uh, and the books are pretty darn good I do recommend reading the books if you haven't so um, Catching Fire is a great book period it, whether it's YA or not I really like that book I actually it was so shocking a couple of times I actually dropped the book while I was reading I have that doesn't happen to me very often so. I really, really, really re- recommend Catching Fire. So, but we're moving on because we got a lot to talk about. The next thing we want to talk about is DVD releases, and our choices this week are the Hobbit Extended Editions on eleven seventeen. I'm only recommending it for the completest fan because honestly, I don't know why you would want to extend these films any longer than they already are. They were way too Please long to begin with. Oh my God. Oh shit! You know I love the Hobbit. I actually went on Eric Eric Polk's show, 
and we did an entire episode just devoted to the first Hobbit movie, which actually, with some editing, I think would have been actually a better film. Uh, but yeah. the, the third, by the third movie, it's absolutely ridiculous mess, and I just don't understand what happened. And Peter Jackson, like my favorite director, and I need to sit down and have a talk. Uh, I think what happened to him is he left his wife slash girlfriend write the script. But she wrote Lord of the Rings, so you can't really say that. So uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I blame the but screenwriter. Anyway, I, I blame the screenwriter for not staying with the story and creating all this other nonsense. And you know, if you're going to make changes, if you're going to go off the map. It should be at least as good, if not better, than the original. Otherwise, there's no reason to do it. (laughs) I could go on for days why those films fail. We're going to not talk about that now because I've only got five more minutes. So, but I also wanted to point out that um, there's also on 11:17 we also or 11:20, and this is for Eric. Eric Rush's concert, the R40 concert you went to, is going to be released on DVD. And as you know, that was a great fucking concert. So, it's, you know what? Uh, yeah. That was probably up in, that was probably the highlight of my year so far. Well, I'll see what happens so that, when the Force Awakens. But yeah, <laughs> that I'm going to go on the limb. I've been to dozens and dozens of concerts, and I think the performance by Rush is was the best I've ever seen in my life. I was I was like 20 rows up, just looking down at the stage, and I was just like, oh my god! And these guys are going to quit touring. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! It was just, hmm. you know, last, well, you know, when I when we when uh, my wife and I we, we uh, left uh, the arena, I was I couldn't talk for a while, just so they just completely blew me away, you know, just, you know, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be it's gonna be sad not to see them, you know, tour the way that they've been touring for over 45 years now. It's gonna it's gonna be kind of sad. I mean, I understand the reasons why. I mean, you know, doing the kind of thing they do, you know, it does take its toll. You know, but it's still, still going to be kind of sad. It's going to be kind of sad not to see them around anymore, so. Well, but we do have the DVD, and I went to see them in, in El Paso at once, and, and they are awesome. So we'll always have Rush nearby. But uh, mm-hmm. and it's really nice that they're releasing this DVD for people that didn't get to see the tour. Uh, also on 11:24, we have two films. I'm not going to talk about them in detail. One is All American Ultra, which was kind of ignored. Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart, and it's actually way better than people give it credit for. Give it a shot, folks. And um, hmm. A Christmas Horror Story, which will be released on 11:24. But we're going to talk about that on our next episode on December 1st when we talk about our Halloween, I mean our Christmas Horror episode. Start <laughs> with our director, Hammer Summerfeld, of Dismembering Christmas. So, Also, Netflix is releasing today, Jess, or on 11:20. sorry, Jessica Jones, their new uh, Marvel Yay. series, and a kid. Hooray, kicks ass. Definitely you want to watch that. Uh, I've been liking all the female vehicle Marvel shows. Um, Also on 1129, Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of canon films. Kick-ass documentary about top 1980 bad bead movies. Definitely watch that film. On Amazon Prime, we have Vikings Season 3. Vikings is awesome. It has its own fan base. It is it is exploding. And and Eric, as Aaron can say, because it was all over San Diego Comic-Con this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, if you haven't seen Vikings, Amazon Prime is dropping Season 3 on the 19th. 
Uh, Hulu is also dropping Steve's Universe, which is another cult film, uh, cult show, and Sailor Moon Crystal. Season one premiere drops on 11-20th, which have already automatic built-in fan bases. The Steve Universe fan base is particularly scary. Uh, We'll talk about that (laughs) on another show. And then the two fan events, and then and then fan event choice of the of the week is Day of the Dead Chicago with Elvira, Beth, the Hitman Heart, and a solid lineup of convention regulars. Uh, So, folks, thank you for being on the well, Queenie. Thank you for Sexy Witch for being on the show. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Eric Polk, for joining us for the community calendar. And both Aaron and Eric will rejoin us Sexy Witches again on the 15th of December for our big Star Wars Force Awakens episode, two-hour season finale of the Sexy Witches. And But we will be back before that on December 1st to talk about Christmas horror and our upcoming excitement for <laughs> Michael Doherty's Krampus movie, which drops on the 4th of December. So we'll talk about all of that on another show so thank you folks i'm gonna leave us tonight with a guy named little dicky he is my favorite uh, he, he's a little raunchy and provocative uh he's this uh, jewish scott rapper that um of, that lives in the bay area and i'm gonna play save that money on the way out and join us again in two weeks on december 1st good night sexy witches good night my co-hosts and sexy gentlemen and uh bl- good film hunting and blessed be thank you all for listening have a good evening Good night now. Good night now. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. AKA the independent variable.
cover. Low thread count, hard with the covers. Free trial memberships, though. I never joined the shiz, though. Fuck you, think this is out? We been flying like a motherfucking fish, though. General style, half a dozen on the stick, just so I can wet the appetite of bitch. What you talking about? My AC never doing nothing, blow fans up. Walgreens, car shopping, all the off brands up. Boy, go hard when collecting got them Save a motherfucker, roach, try smoke. Check the clothes in my drawers, I ain't playing around. It's LD, little boy, Mr. Hand Me Down. My dirty drawers getting worn, can you blame me now? You think I got 450 up in corners only? Well, I fucking don't. It is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.